0: Either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie! It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks! You sorry? (laughs) You waste all our film! It's so bad! Seems like another one of those in-between weeks where we've got a big one, a potential blockbuster next week with uh, The Lion King. Then after that, we've got the new Tarantino. Once a time in, once upon a time in Hollywood. Looking forward to that, but we've got a batch to talk about this week, both uh, big releases and small releases. Welcome. This is the Screening Room podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, and we're from MadWolf.com. Thank you for checking in, and thank you for uh, our friend Dave, Dave of Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. He was uh, going back and forth with us on Twitter. You can find us, by the way, at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F. And uh, he was glad to see that I was excited about. The first movie we're talking about this week, and it's a young woman, while attempting to save her father during a Category 5 hurricane, finds herself trapped in a flooding house, must fight for her life against alligators. It's Crawl. Hello, can anybody hear me? I'm trapped with my father in our house in
1: Coral Lake. Coral Please send help! Really? Wait down here! Pete, you hear that? In less than an hour, we'll be underwater.
0: Banging on the pipes, where's their senses?
1: I can distract them for you.
0: You got this!
1: Alligators in the sewers. I knew you were going to say that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alligators in the sewers. Alligators everywhere. Here they're in the basement. Which is really the first point about this movie where you have to kind of go, Okay, because it's set in Florida. Uh, I used to live in Florida. We spent a lot of time in Florida. Not a lot of houses in Florida have basements because of the sea level. Sea level, and there's you know always the threat of hurricanes. Mm-hmm. But hey, that's okay. We'll 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 go with it because this really does turn out to be a pretty fun movie. <laughs> you know, it's no masterpiece, but it's a fun movie. It's Alexander Aha, mm-hmm. right? And he's done some some fine and substantial horror work. I mean, he did High Tension years ago. He
1: did, and he did the the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, and then more recently he did. Piranha 3D, yeah. which has got a sense of humor it that does. his other films don't have, right. but I think uh, when we when we were talking about this a couple weeks ago or last week, people were kind of, oh, it's a thriller, I'm excited for this. Like, No, 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 this, you don't know this director if you think you can take your kids to this movie, because this is an R-rated yeah, horror film. Yeah, it is.
0: Uh, it kind of surprised me how bloody it was, but then I thought, well, I, you know, when we were talking about it, I was like, well, I probably shouldn't have been that surprised. Right. But yeah, it doesn't have that Funny vibe that Piranha, Piranha 3 no. did which I thought was pretty entertaining.
1: I, I agree, it you was. Know?
0: It had that real tongue-in-cheek yeah. vibe, which if you're gonna compare this, you know, you start thinking about this movie, Gators and Hurricanes, Gator Cane, you know, <laughs> Sharknado. <laughs> this is not that. No. This is not that no, at no, all. No, no. I mean you certainly have to suspend some disbelief, but it's it's here for the tension, it's right. here for the scares, and it, it delivers it. Uh, it does. It delivers a lot of fun, some good jump scares, and some good tension. And I think a lot of that is is credit to uh, Aha's direction mm-hmm. and some nice special effects. They're pretty nifty, actually. But the story is uh, the young woman. She's a she's a gator. She's actually a gator. She's a Florida gator, University of Florida in Gainesville. Oh, the irony. And uh, not only that, but she's on the swim team. Right. Okay, which comes in handy, let me tell you. Because uh, a Category 5 moves in, and uh, she ignores the evacuation orders. And her name's Haley. Because they haven't heard, the family has not heard from her father. What's he going to do? Because he lives there, too. Is he going to get out? So she goes looking and uh, finally finds him uh, in the passed out, pretty much, and injured in this soggy, rotted-out basement of this property that they own. And really, her hunt for him and her finding him is well plotted. It is. It moves pretty quickly, but it still is, is, there's some tension involved in that as well. And the thing about it is, her father, uh, Dave, is played by Barry Pepper. Sure. Another guy that, if you don't know his name, you probably know his face. He's been in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, before she actually finds him, she realizes they are not alone. There's a big gator down there. Not in the sewers, but it probably got in there through the sewers and the and the rising water. So once she gets him awake and, and finds out that he's injured and she's going to have to have a hard time moving him, then they have to deal with the gator mm-hmm. and the rising water mm-hmm. and the fact that are there people out there that might come to help them? Maybe. I don't know what's going on. So, yeah, it's it's a nice bit of tension because the confines of the basement, you've got... Tight corners, you've got small rooms, you've got big furnaces and big appliances or what have you, and you've got these pipes that kind of create little cages. And uh, Aha uses that very well in creating sort of natural barriers between predator and prey, mm-hmm. between gator and bait, mm-hmm. if you will. And uh, and it becomes yeah, it becomes nicely exciting and fun in that way. And then, yeah, there's some uh, there's some chomping going on mm-hmm. uh, before it's over, and uh, it's uh, it's bloody, and uh, it earns its R rating, like you said, and it's it's certainly no masterpiece, but if you want to call it Jaws in a house or whatever, <laughs> uh, it has that vibe about it, and it's not like we just said, it's not for for fun. They're not trying to do that tongue in cheek. In fact, I think one of the ways the the film gets off track a little bit, it really goes maybe too far. In the direction of trying to really mine some emotion, too much of melodrama between the father and the daughter. Right. The performances are pretty good. Mm-hmm. The uh, woman, or uh, the actress, her name is Akaya Scola delario I think. As she's mainly from the Maze Runner films, mm. and she She was even in as a young, young girl. She was in moon years ago. Aww. Yeah. I know how much you love that as movie. As the daughter, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but she does a fine job in, in giving her character some real authentic grit and some toughness that she's going to fight this out. So that's all good. But then they, they really go for some estranged feelings yeah, yeah. Uh, between the father and daughter and the fact that he pushed her so hard as a swimmer. And then they start really relying on some of that swimming parlance as it goes on You know, as they have to do some swimming. So that gets a little bit on the on the downside, I think. But uh, if you're just if you're just in it for the thrills, for the jump scares and the tension and the blood and the fun of seeing these gigantic gators, uh, because spoiler alert, there's more than one. <laughs> <laughs> you probably knew that already. And the d- decent special effects, I think, not right. only the gators but the weather. You know, the storm moving in, I think, is pretty effective as well. So so all in all, it's not going to replace Jaws anytime soon. But I thought it was fun for mm-hmm. a popcorn. Can I say muncher? Popcorn? <laughs> summer, summer popcorn muncher? I think crawl delivers the goods. Got a comedy next. Buddy comedy. A detective recruits his Uber driver into an unexpected night of adventure. It's Stuber.
1: Official police
0: business? Go and see a friend. Take this. Oh, I am not touching that. It's a baby gun. It allows you to fire it. While crying. That isn't, is this an
1: Uber? Seriously, doctor, why are you laughing? Oh, that's the least.
0: <laughs> he shot me! You shot in the leg. Good for you, man. You shot your first guy. I wanted to like this one. Uh, I did too, because. As we just talked about with the last one, I was excited from the trailer. Mm-hmm. I saw the trailer for this, and I thought, okay, there's might be some laughs there.
1: Well, and, you know, both of them, Dave Bautista and Camille Nanjani, are fun. They They're, are. I mean... Outside and of this film, they are funny, they're charming, and they're both, in very different ways, oddballs. And uh, so this is, you know, an odd couple sort of uh, uh, characterization, bromance, if yeah. you will.
0: They've not only been funny in movies, they're funny on Twitter. They are funny on Twitter. We follow them both on Twitter, yeah. and they're very charming and funny. Exactly. So it's not a problem of ha- having the ability to be funny. They certainly have that. It doesn't come through as much as it should here.
1: No, it really doesn't. Well, it's the most lazily plotted film I've seen in I don't know how long. It's just, you're off the case! (laughs) and uh, he's not really going to be off the case, but he had eye surgery, and so when he gets the hot tip for the drug bust, he can't drive his own car, so he just basically kidnaps an Uber driver, and he presses him into service for the rest of the night. But, I mean, so that part, the driver part, that's the only thing that is even marginally unique. It's just laid on top of the, I mean, uh, Simpsons, Wolf Bane, what's his name?
0: Uh, uh, Rainier Wolfcastle. There you go. Uh, you know, it's it's that
1: almost you know uh, incredibly rote uh, McBain, right? A McBain episode, but they put this intriguing, I guess, buddy cop on top of it. But even that is
0: stolen from Deadpool. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Dave Bautista is one of those actors now in making the the transition to feature films that his hugeness comes into play in any role that he takes on. The Rock had to deal with that. John Cena, when he's made funny comedies, I, I'm always interested in the the clothes they give him. Because if you go back to Blockers, they certainly did make comments about his physique, but he had these big shirts. Oh, They're yeah, yeah. trying to downplay uh-huh. the the hugeness And when you're not playing a superhero. So here, Dave Bautista is so big, it's a surprise when the physical comedy that you think would come naturally really doesn't. No,
1: because, the, I mean, they do, the film tries to make something of that. You know, uh, the the fact that he is so big, and also that he's had this eye surgery, so he's Mr. Magoo, right? <laughs> so he's like, he's trying to drive a car, he's trying to shoot a gun, he's trying to talk to a witness, who of course is actually a corpse, but he hasn't figured this out yet. But the, the thing is, and I, I do think Bautista is funny, I think he's hilarious oh. in Guardians of the Galaxy oh, I movies. I agree, I agree. Uh, he steals scenes left he and does, right. He does, he does. But he just, in this film, the uh, the physical comedy is mainly his, and he just I don't think delivers it. I just think
0: it's not his strong suit. That that is interesting, but it's a different kind of comedy. You can have comic timing mm-hmm. with dialogue; mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean the physical comedy. No, some of that is direction. Let's, yes, let's be absolutely. let's be real here. Mm-hmm. But that, that isn't an automatic, you know, uh result of having comic timing.
1: No, and Kamel Nanjani is uh he so he's the voice of reason right. throughout. And it's very funny and it's delivered in a very Kamel Nanjani as he's basically playing himself. <laughs> and he's and it's a funny and, and it is, you know, there are stretches in the car where it's it is a funny odd couple, but I I really feel as though Batista never Fully, I think, figures out who his character is Mm -hmm. because it's he's not great as the straight man for Nanjani's comedy and why they should have some great sparks as an odd couple because they are. I I just it just doesn't really work that well, which is a big problem because the entire rest of the film,
0: anything that doesn't involve the two of them, is completely flat. And it's funny, we were talking about the direction, the the director here, Michael Dowles. Mm He did Goon years ago, which we still
1: love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And And, the thing about Goon is that that film and that director understood this character of this sort of amiable but violent dumbass, Mm -hmm. right?
0: I I just think they they couldn't quite figure out what they were doing with Batista's character. Mm -hmm. And also, it, it can't go without mentioning that some of the comedy relies on the fact that they're making light and making fun of police brutality yeah. which uh, yeah. seems a little, a little tone, tone deaf, deaf. at, yeah. at, at times yes. so this is one that we both thought we were hoping had some promise because because of the people involved but yeah just uh, it's not a f- again can i can i get make a bad pun and say not a fun ride yeah no. but uh, it really isn't no you can't make that bad pun i meant sorry Next, we'll go to a few in limited release. And this one, speaking of movies that we were looking forward to, really been looking forward to this one for years, it's a direct sequel to 2011's The Woman. If you haven't seen it, see it. This new one, the sequel, is called Darlin.
1: So, what do we know of her history?
0: Virtually nothing. She won't talk. It's
1: extraordinary. But no evidence of a family. No. Completely feral. It's incredible.
0: You have now murdered the wild child that came to us. You are here to witness the power of God's mercy. Get them out!
1: When we got years ago a copy of the film The Woman to review, uh, they gave it to us on a DVD to review for a newspaper, and the DVD came wrapped in a vomit bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's marketing. It it's is. a difficult movie to make it through. It's a horror film. It's a full-on horror film. It is. But wow. It's envelope-pushing, but wow, it's amazing. And at the very center of that very impressive film was a remarkable central performance by Pollyanna McIntosh.
0: And we won't go too much into that movie, but just know that on our other podcast called Fright Club, where we talk specifically about horror movies, we did a podcast year- Years ago, about our favorite feminist horror movies, and on that list was the movie The Woman. Yes. So don't be led astray by people that say otherwise. It's very much a feminist horror movie, led by Pollyanna Macintosh's performance as The Woman, the Nameless Woman, who's a feral creature out in the woods. Well, mm-hmm. she is back, The Woman. Pollyanna is back as well, not only to star, but this time to write and direct.
1: I just can't say how excited we were about this. We're huge fans of the film, The Woman. We are huge fans of Pollyanna McIntosh. So we were very eager to see what she could do as a director, as a writer, and we really wanted to love this movie.
0: Yeah, and if you haven't seen The Woman, you may know Pollyanna from The Walking Dead. Right. She is uh, from the cast there, so uh, she's the tall lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she cuts quite an imposing figure here. She
1: does. She continues to do so in, as the character, the, the nameless woman character unfortunately as a director i'm not sure that she really has quite figured out her style and as a writer uh, she's she's fairly disappointing the film follows uh, an adolescent named darlin who has been with the woman since the end of the last film and they get separated and the the adolescent winds up kind of in the system and the woman is hard-pressed to figure out how to get her back she Mm -hmm. she's she is they're they're feral like they don't speak right. you know and so she, they're in a city i think it's cincinnati actually and they're try she's trying the woman is trying to figure out how to get darlin back darlin is maybe rather not go back to the woman but she's not fully understanding what's happening and it had i think a possibility but the tension is centered in the idea of the catholic church it's uh it's a catholic run hospital where they take darlin in the first place and then they transition her into a small very very small all girls catholic school really like for wayward girls i mean it feels like a throwback to ireland in the 1950s (laughs) and that's part of the problem is that no part of it's so lazily written this section yes yes absolutely in a horror film it's very easy to make the catholic church Uh, the straw dog villain, and I'm not even opposed to that. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying if you're going to do it, do it properly. Mm -hmm. And it's so lazy the way that this is done. And then, you know, it leads to this climactic, you know, um, inside the church kind of bat, Shit crazy climax, which is interesting in and of itself, but it kind of brings together then this this underfed side plot about a really loving nurse and another very weird side plot about like a group of homeless women. Yeah. And it just crashes together in this church scene in a way that I'm not sure is supposed to be comedic, dramatic, horrifying. It's yeah. just disappointing.
0: Yeah, it is, because there are a few moments that resonate here. Yeah. That there could have been. There maybe was a couple of building blocks, maybe a framework, but you're right. The whole the whole Catholic Church thing, and that's and that's not a side plot. That's where the movie is centered. And it feels uh,
1: like it was written in shorthand. You mm-hmm. know, like cliche shorthand. Oh, priests are creepy, so here's a scene with a creepy priest. Oh, yeah. nuns are creepy, here's a scene with a creepy nun. Oh, sexual backstory. Oh, this not. You know what I mean? But it's not. Clarified, And the other thing that, and you know I hate this, it has absolutely nothing to actually do with the Catholic Church. Like, <laughs> the dogma is so completely wrong. If you're not Catholic, you may not understand, but this is just one point. They baptize, darling, in the river. <laughs> in the river.
0: And the bishop does it. The
1: bishop baptizes, yeah, darling, in the river. Happen. There's like this big line of nuns who show up. We don't do that in the river. <laughs> we just don't. <laughs> But even right. if, you know, even if you didn't spend 12 years in Catholic school, you don't need to recognize that the Catholic part of it is wrong She's recognize that it's just a lazily
0: written, cliche, riddled mess. Yeah, so uh, really, especially for us and anybody who has seen the woman and has been looking forward to this one, uh, the disappointment in Darlin. Next is a story of a musician from Glasgow, Scotland, dreaming of becoming a Nashville star. It's called Wild Rose. Hey! I'm trying to be a country singer. Nobody wants to see a convicted criminal out there. Johnny Cash is a convicted criminal, you ball bag. <laughs> country music, there's three chords in the truth. Just get whoever's in there out. I should have been born in America. I'm an American.
1: You're young, you're incredibly talented.
0: There is nothing you can't do. Ain't no place like home. When you put your mind to something, you can do anything. Three Chords in the Truth. That's always the uh, cliche about country music in Nashville. And our writer, Matt Wiener, reviewed this for us on MadWolf.com. You can find his written review there. But he thought it was pretty solid. He did. And it's funny
1: because what the entire film is based on that sentence Three Chords in the Truth. Well, I guess it's a phrase. And uh, in, in other hands, it might feel so trite, but there's something very fresh about the approach. She's based in, she is in Scotland. Dreaming of becoming a Nashville star, and so she's she's spouting all of this in Scotland, mm-hmm. where it doesn't quite feel so cliche and stale. It feels very funny and fresh. And uh, mainly, the reason this film works as well as it does is because of of Jodie Buckley, Jesse Buckley, sorry, Jesse Buckley, who plays the lead and is just. She's so full of energy. She's so authentic. She's so fiery. She does a wonderful job of bringing heart and nuance into every scene. And I'm
0: guessing she does the singing too because uh, if she does it, whoever does, that's a strong voice. Yes. That's a very strong voice. And you'll find wonderful, wonderful, mostly character actors. Now, Julie Walters yes, is in this as plays her well.
1: mother, her put-upon
0: mother. She She pretty much is a Professional scene stealer. She, she really is. She really is.
1: Julie Walters is absolutely glorious in everything that she does.
0: Yeah, if you're going to be in a movie with her, uh, it's, you're going to have some scenes stolen. <laughs> Especially go back and watch her in, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Remember that? <laughs> oh, my Lord. But anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's taking those standards, I guess, that everybody seems to associate with Nashville and country music, and taking them across the pond and giving them a whole new type of angle, because right. you're coming from the point of view where someone who's not in this country, but wants it and, and feel, even though she's not, she feels a part of it.
1: Well, and then when she does get the opportunity uh, and and some bar owner says she can't perform here because so she has a she's gotten out of prison at the beginning of the movie. She gets out of a jail term. And so the bar owner says we don't have uh, convicted felons. Perform here, and she just said Johnny Cash was a convicted felon. Oh my and, like, lord! Yeah. breaks the bar up, you know, yeah. because because it's funny, you know, not being an American, not being somebody who is sort of wallowed in country music and every, you know, she's she's very hardcore and purist, and yeah. so it's just so fresh the way it's handled.
0: Yeah, so that's one in limited release, but if it's in your area, might be worth checking out Wild Rose. And it seems like pretty much every week we have a documentary to talk about, and we've got one this week. It's a meditation on the legendary storyteller Toni Morrison, examining her life, her works, and the powerful themes she has confronted throughout her literary career. It's called Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am. People began to buy Toni Morrison, and then we began to teach her, and as a consequence, they had to pay attention. I know you're sick unto death of being labeled a black writer. I prefer it. Oh, I thought you probably oh, no. were tired of it. Well, I'm tired of people asking the question. Oh, oh yes, of course.
1: A friend of mine called me up early in the morning and said, Tony, you won the Nobel Prize. And I remember holding the phone thinking, she must be drunk. Tony Morrison's work shows us through pain all the myriad ways we can come to love. That is what she does with some words on a page. This movie really packs a lot of great information into its fairly short running time. You know, I think there are a lot of people who maybe didn't realize that I didn't, that Tony Morrison is from Ohio, which might not be a thrill to everybody, but it was exciting <laughs> to us. She's from Lorraine. Or that she had such a profound effect on the literary community, not just as a writer, obviously, but as a uh, an editor with a publishing company. And the people that she signed to bring new voices to the fold, uh, it's a stunning group of humans that she signed to become writers for her publishing company, the publishing company where she was an editor. And there's a lot of really fascinating information about her background, about her childhood. And the. They speak a lot, not only to some of her greatest fans, like Oprah, Oprah. Winfrey, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they speak a lot to Toni Morrison. 88 years old now. She's 88 years mm-hmm. old now. And it is really interesting. And she has had a fascinating and full life outside of just her literary career, her writing, which, of course, is glorious, and Pulitzer Prize winning and Nobel Prize winning and just amazing, right? When she starts talking, though, when she talks about herself uh, and her past and her history, it's all very interesting. But when she talks, even for a moment... About some of what has inspired her different novels. It's so transportive. It's so beguiling that I actually felt cheated by the entire rest of the film. I really did. Like, I thought, I don't care anymore what Oprah felt like the first time she read Beloved, and I don't care what any of these other people have to say, and I don't really want to see the old interview with Dick Cavett. I wish that all of every minute of this film was just. Tony Morrison
0: talking to me and telling me a story. Well, it's amazing when you get those writers, even songwriters. I think of who are who just seem to be on another plane. Yeah, you know, your Bob Dylans, your Leonard Cohens. Yeah, if you want to get, you, you certainly can't understand it because you're not there. No. but to hear them talk about it, even yeah. even as strange as and uh, interplanetary as right. it might sound, to be there in that headspace for just a few minutes is fascinating. Yeah, it really yeah. is.
1: And and the thing that is so I think miraculous in watching this film is that and i think the same was the same way with james baldwin when when we saw the documentary that they did on him what maybe mm-hmm. 2 years ago yeah, yeah. it's the off the cuff unpracticed without reading the way that she can f- manipulate words you know what i mean i mean you know obviously we know that that her writing is utterly glorious but you know you could at least think to yourself she rewrote this sentence several times before she got (laughs) there maybe not it just pours out of her her facility with language is unbelievable and so i don't want to make it sound like i didn't enjoy the film i thought it was fascinating it it shed a lot of light on in different areas that I, i i didn't know as well as i should have but the truth is I really wish they had cut all that out and just let her talk.
0: Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am. So let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Got a bunch coming out this week, led by Pet Cemetery. Um, Not one that we were wild about. Uh, The remake, of course, of the uh, movie from the 80s. That was the 80s, right, Mm -hmm. when it came out? Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the original. I don't think you were either, but you thought this one was a little better? Uh,
1: No, I did. I liked this one actually quite a bit better. Um, I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. I liked the changes that they made to the Stephen King book and to the original film. I liked the changes, I thought they were clever. I thought they made the kills more less campy and more interesting. I really liked the ending which yeah. was quite a mean ending yeah. and I appreciated I that too. yeah I liked it too And the performances um, you know especially Jason Clark oh, so, yeah. much so much than better than with the first film So I did I thought it was per- perfectly enjoyable if you like horror films and you're not too hung up on the original I think it's a good watch
0: Also out this week Robert Pattinson, another great indie. Performance. He's had a string of them now since Twilight. Latest is High Life. It's Claire Denis, a very unconventional filmmaker. That's certainly the case here. It's science fiction, but it, it sort of lives in the spaces where other science fiction films uh, avoid. I right. guess um, it's a it's a situation where he seems to be the only survivor of a spaceship, and they go back with flashbacks and tell you how he got there. A
1: little bit they do. I mean, it's yeah. not... It certainly isn't uh, real outlined for
0: you. I oh, mean no. No, no, no. no. But... Uh, and he's got a young daughter mm-hmm. to deal with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it really... It's one that's not going to appeal to everybody and again uh, you know not what everything does, does but, right. but still this one is going to be be tough for some people like if you're just a fan of of basic science fiction mm-hmm. this is a little bit different mm-hmm. than that mm-hmm. and I wouldn't outright call it a horror movie but there are some uncomfortable scenes yes, for sure mm-hmm. but I think in the end it found a way to be hopeful. Yeah. I think, especially if you look at just the opening shot and you look at the closing shot, which you can do with a lot of movies. It really sums up the, the journey that this movie takes and, and how it gets there I thought was really, really stimulating in a lot of ways.
1: Yes, I think we both really liked this movie. Mm-hmm. We thought that Patton's performance was great, uh and and but we're also very big fans of Claire Denis and mm-hmm. very sort of um used to the unconventional structure her films take yes. so it wasn't as much of a challenge for us to follow it but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this yeah, movie and
0: also a, another great uh, supporting performance from Juliet Binoche yes. is in that as well also the movie Little comes out this week the flip on the big that right. this time the grown up gets shrunk down to a little kid instead of the other way around
1: Issa Rae is a charmer in this movie. You know, she's the the put-upon secretary or assistant or whatever she is, personal assistant, who wants her boss, who starts off being Regina Hall.
0: Who's always good. We've said that many times.
1: And then after the transformation is...
0: Marseille Martin? Right,
1: from Blackish, yes, right? Yes, Who's also great and, and uh, is,
0: has, I think, is credited with the story.
1: She came up yes, with the idea for this. Apparently
0: she came up with the idea, and not just really off the cuff, that said, hey, why don't we do this? Apparently she was really involved in storyboarding it out and nice. getting the whole thing, so yeah, good for her.
1: And so, you know, while it's not a stroke of genius, it is a very fun, it is, it's a very fun movie. There are some things that it kind of... S- you know, maybe could have dug a little deeper in because it does touch on bullying and then kind of tosses it to the side. But it's fun. It's it's enjoyable. It's funny. It's light. Also out this week,
0: Alita Battle Angel.
1: This is one that I don't think anybody loved, right? Either you hated it or you're like, that's oh, not so bad. So that's not a ringing endorsement, but we were in the, oh, it's not so bad category. <laughs>
0: Yeah, basically, it's one of those that, it's Robert Rodriguez as the director, and uh, James Cameron was involved in an early an early script, and I think it was one where he, James Cameron, was going to direct it. Yeah. He wanted to keep the project for himself for years, and then let Robert Rodriguez take it over.
1: And, you know, it's funny, because it doesn't feel in any way like a Robert Rodriguez film, which is good and bad. I mean, it's probably time for him to kind of shake it up a little bit, and it... I think it suffers because it feels very much like the first episode of something, and I'm honestly not sure I made enough money to get additional episodes. It really
0: does. It's mainly live action, but it's Rose Salazar pretty much ends up in a motion-capture yeah. performance. And yeah. Uh, She's a cyborg, part cyborg, put together with different parts. And Christoph Waltz is uh, her father, kind of put her together. And you're right, it does very much seem like the beginning of something. Yeah. It's perfectly fine, yeah. but it didn't, didn't blow me away. No. So you're right, I don't know how much money it did make, so I don't know if, the, if the, uh, it's in limbo now as far as the series, but we will see. And also, the last one out on DVD, home video, is After. Who boy! Uh, this is uh, another teen tween romance, and this is one that came from a book that was based on Harry Styles fan fiction. Uh, Harry <laughs> Styles from One Direction. <laughs> it's uh, oh boy, it, it's it's bad. I mean, it's bad. It's it's <laughs> it's just like it was written from a checklist, and it's just a series of of connected, loosely connected romantic daydreams right. about how I can spend this uh, idyllic situation with. The boy that I love, and it's it's bad. Mm-hmm. So I would say, uh, avoid that. Next week, as we said, The Lion King is coming out. The big, big, big one. And then the week after that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, so we're going to get right back on track. Right back on track. Big stuff. Hopefully they're good. So until then, let us know what you thought about anything from this week. Love to hear from you, as always. You can find us again on Twitter, at MadWolf. M A D D W O L F, also on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, all our written reviews and other fun stuff, including our Fright Club horror movie podcast, all that can be found at madwolf.com. Always appreciate you listening to the screening room. And wherever it is that you are listening, if you would take a second to
1: subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the screening room podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.